Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for So he brought him into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. Okay, it sounds like this old man knows something he don't know. Don't stay out here. <laughs> he, he, he knows the area. <laughs> Come inside. You don't want to be outside. But this is wonderful, though. At the last minute, they were finally invited, brought in by someone, this old man. Now, I feel, like I said, maybe the old man was aware of the nature of the city. That he, he didn't want them staying outside. He, he knew something. He's probably familiar with these people, but let's see why. Judges 19.22, Gibeah's crime. As they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old men, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him carnally. But the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out now. Humble them and do with them as you please. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing. But the man would not heed him. So the man took his concubine and brought her out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. Then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. Look how bad things have gotten. Look at what these guys did to her. They wanted to know the old man's house guest carnally. In other words, They wanted to satisfy their homosexual desires upon him. Now, the old man considered the laws of hospitality to his Levite guest to be a higher priority to keep him safe from being violated rather than giving over the women to be violated instead. The man took higher priority. The women are lower. Let's send them out. This is not a good situation at all. In my opinion, violating anyone is wrong. And I find it problematic that even though the old man hands over the women to them after telling them their desire as men violating other men, as he put it, is called wicked and outrageous. You saw the guy say that. This is wicked, outrageous, and vile. Guys, what they did to the women was also wicked and outrageous too. All of it is vile, every bit of it. But this is how bad that the culture of sin has made people to become. Look how bad this has gotten. And I keep saying that over and over because I can't, I can't get over how wicked people are acting here in this story. And so this Levite, he's a priest of all people, a priest. 
shows absolutely zero care or compassion towards his wife and throws her out the door to these wicked men. Here, take her. I'm just going to stay in the house. And they raped her and they abused her all night long. All night. What is this Levite guy thinking? Sitting in the house, your wife's out there. What, what can be going through your mind? Oh, this to me is not the same guy, this Levite. To me, he is not the same guy that just spent five days at her father's place trying to win her back. He just spent five days trying to reconcile, get her to stand up with him so they would leave together. Now he, he just send her outside. What happened to this guy? When people have no standard to live by, their conduct will vary according to what they stand to gain. You will shift what you think is so high and righteous according to what you have to gain per moment. If it looks like you're going to be violated, it seems like the ungodly people who do not follow the standard of God's Word, they will, they will turn on you in a heartbeat. And that's what he did to this poor girl. So earlier, when he won her back, he was like, yeah, I got her back. I put in all this work and effort five days, and I got her to come back with me. But now at the first sign of trouble in a bad area next to Jebusite occupation by these Benjamites, he shoves her out the door. Take her. A sacrificial person would say, take me instead of her. But he's saying, take her instead of me. And above even that, guys, I'll tell you, let me speak to the men. A real man would not tolerate this. A real man would stand between their wives and danger, and they would fight for her. Would they not? I would. This Levite priest did not. Just pointing out. I'm trying, guys, I'm just trying to show you what godly men should have done. Judges 19.27. When her master arose in the morning and opened the doors of the house, and went out to go his way. There was his concubine, fallen at the door of the house, with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, get up and let us be going. I'm sorry, guys. Hang on a minute. Get up, let's go. Not, are you okay? Are you all right? Well, of course she's not all right. You let her be abused all night. He comes out to go his way. Come on, let's get going. No compassion at all. i got to read that again, verse 28. And he said to her, get up and let us be going. Oh, my gosh. But there was no answer. So the man lifted her onto the donkey, and the man got up and went to his place. Now, guys, if it's not very clear here, this woman is dead. She's dead. The Levite priest, he shoved her, his own concubine wife, shoved her out the door to be raped all night, right after he spent all this effort trying to win her back, and that just bothers me to no end. I mean, this story should make you kind of mad. <laughs> it's getting me going. And now she's dead on the front doorstep. Her hands were on the threshold, which means she spent her last weak breaths trying to get back in the house with her hands at the door, and she's dead. And to add insult to injury... Verse 27 says the Levite got up in the morning to go his way. I got places to go. I got things to do. It doesn't say he got up to go look for her, to go look for this poor woman. It says he got up to go his way. That's our culture today, guys. This is our culture in a picture. 
Whatever happens to you is your problem. I've got my things to do. I've got my things to do. This is insulting. And this is an embarrassment. This is an infuriating story. How on earth could things get so bad? But you've got, every, you, you've got everybody acting so wickedly, whether it be Israelite or pagan. Either way, everybody is doing such unthinkable evil. So he threw her corpse, her body, over the donkey and went home. But good Lord, watch what's next. Judges 19.29. When he entered his house, he took a knife, laid hold of his concubine, and divided her into 12 pieces, limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And so it was that all who saw it said, No such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. They're saying that we ain't never seen nothing this bad since Egypt. This is the worst it's ever gotten. Now what do we do about it? Now this sounds like a scene from a horror movie to me. This guy has cut her body up. Limb by limb, it says, or according to her bones, it would mean. According to her bones. Which is exactly what a Levite priest would know how to do because priests were supposed to, they were trained on how to carve up animals' flesh for sacrifice work. And so this Levite priest, he knows how to work a knife, doesn't he? Even on human flesh. And he cut her up. He carves her into 12 parts so that he could send part of her to each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He sent her pieces of her body out with a message. This is what happened to my wife. And, and here's a part of her. He was, the distress was so bad. Now, as shocked as everybody in Israel was about this, and even as shocked as we are, and I hope you are, like I said earlier, this is a rough story. Perhaps we should recognize a possibility here, and I'm just posing it as a, a very weak possibility, that maybe the Levite priest's intention here was to do something about the wickedness that was going on through the land by arousing all of the tribes to have a national hearing over the concubine's death. Now, Ray, we saw the Levite do some terrible things. I know, everybody's messed up. He sends these parts out because he's mad. Well, why didn't he go out and find her? I know. I can't make total sense out of this whole story, but this is what he does. He wants something to happen. Sends her parts of her body out through the land to stir up national, a national hearing. There's more he could have done. And there's a lot of different factors from a bunch of different wicked people that led up to her death. But regardless of the hypocrisy of everybody's part to do with this here, now everybody is appalled. Can you imagine sin being appalling? Today it's not appalling. Today it's, that's normal. You can turn on the TV and watch it on your screen in your house. Used to be the mere thought or mention of some of the things we're seeing on TV was appalling. Now it's it's just part of the content out there. Something happened that has people appalled. Everybody's appalled and they're wondering what should they do about this atrocity. So now this is, gonna, this is the story that's going to lead us into the next chapter of Judges 20, which is going to be called the Benjamite War. Now things are about to get ugly. They're going to go to war in response to the death of the Levites' concubine. We're going to see that all representatives from all the tribes of Israel are going to show up except anyone from the tribe of Benjamin. 
Everybody shows up but the Benjamites. Now we know that the Benjamites received one part of the concubines, that she was cut into 12 pieces, one for each tribe. So they got a piece. But they don't show up for this great assembly, which was called by the Levite to call for Israel's verdict over what should happen, over what should be done. And this is going to lead to a war that's going to cost a lot of lives, and it's going to take several attempts by Israel to defeat the Benjamites. That's coming in the next chapter. In other words, willful sin is going to come with bad consequences. Willful sin, when God says, get this sin out, and you don't, and you leave it there, and you don't just deal with it and get it gone, it produces more trouble than you can really afford later. And this Benjamite war, okay, forget the Benjamite war. Let's talk about right now. This poor woman was abused all night, and she's dead. That's enough. What if that was you? Is that enough? Is that not appalling enough to, to produce a major change? You know, I, I can see it in, a lot, in some people that when you go and you preach the gospel, and you emphasize the importance of repentance, and you talk about how you need to get out of that life and go to Jesus and leave that old junk behind. And some of the very people that you're talking to, some of the people that you know, even your friends out there that you're telling they need to repent, can you see they're not repenting? They're staying in that old mess, and your, your heart just grieves for them that they won't stop. This is a picture of what happens when you don't get that sin out of there. Don't dwell with the Jebusites while they're still there. Don't go around them. Well, come on, let's leave the great place of hospitality, and let's go out here next to the Jebusites where everything's corrupt. Stay away from it. Get it out of town. Don't even get next to it in, next to it like he did next to the, to the Jebusites. Don't get close. Well, Ray, those are my friends, and they'll judge me. So what? You should be more concerned about what God has to say about you than your friends do. That's our culture today. And we're so used to it that what I'm saying right now rubs people the wrong way. Oh, gosh, I hope he's not talking about me. Oh, gosh, I hope he's not talking about so-and-so. Maybe I am. I don't know. Are you convicted by something? Maybe you need to get something out of your life. Do you all realize, even me as the pastor, God deals with me on getting things out of my life even as recent as today? And I have to do it, and I can't take it lightly, because I don't want to see what will end up happening in here if I don't. This is not an easy, for me to, easy thing for me to stand up here and say, and that I, I'm constantly going over repentance, 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 get out of there, get out of there, because if you don't, you're really going to be in big trouble, and it's going to be so big, and it's going to hurt a lot of people. It's going to kill, and it's going to destroy and by that time, there's nothing you can do about it. You should have done something about it before. We're going to see that in the next chapter when they get into a war with the Benjamites. But one thing I want to uh, show us before we get out of here, ultimately what's going to end up happening, as you, if you read ahead in Judges, it's going to take this much to get the Israelites to finally come back to the true house of God in Shiloh, to the true place of worship and they're going to come back and inquire of the Lord on what they should do. But it got this bad before they would do it. Friends, how about for us personally today? Why should we let things get this bad before we can just get on our knees and say, God, I'm sorry. 
God, I'm sorry. That thing you told me to get out of my life, I'll do it. Why do we hold on to it and let it get so bad before we repent? 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, For godly sorrow, this is what they're going on with right now. They have godly sorrow because there's no Israelite king to show them a standard. They're in sorrow. Godly sorrow produces what? Repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. You see two different kinds of sorrow in this one verse. One is godly. One is worldly. Which one leaves no regret? Godly sorrow. If you hang on to that worldly sorrow, you're going to regret it, regret it, regret it. But I also want to show you something else. You cannot get to salvation unless you repent first. You see how it's listed in order. Godly sorrow produces repentance, which leads to salvation. And that comes in that order. If you're going through a tough time right now, and maybe at a, there was a point where you shook your fist at God and said, God, why are you doing this to me? But it's pain, it pains you, everything that's going on. Don't blame God for that. Our sin did that. We did that. That's godly sorrow. And it should produce repentance. That pain, that hurt, should produce some kind of a turn that leads to salvation. You will not get to salvation unless you turn to the Lord. So take all that pain, take all that hurt, and give it up to Jesus Christ. He can rid you of it. And He can get you to a place of godly joy where there is no longer any regret. Isn't it just better for us to come to the Lord now before we let things get as bad as this? Don't let your culture teach you how to act. We've seen plenty of that in Judges. People are just behaving the way the next guy behaves. The way the next guy behaves. Hey, we have a standard called God's Word. You need the standard of God's Word in your life, or you will be off. If all the Bible you get is out of me, you better pick up your Bible and read in your spare time. Turn off the TV a little more often. Play a little less video games, a less, little less Facebook, maybe a little more faith book. Do a little more in God's Word. It is your standard. It's for your benefit. If you ignore God's Word and wonder why things are so bad, just take a look at Judges 18. should give you a good indication. You cannot live your life on your own terms and then expect God to bless that. Father, forgive us today for doing this very thing. We've all done it. Lord, I know some people that just heard me are calling me a hypocrite. No, I'm not a hypocrite. I have done these things, but Lord, I turned and I asked you to forgive me. That's the big difference. Lord, I would be a hypocrite if I did all this stuff, all this my own way, all this sin, and never asked for you to save me and never asked for you to forgive me if I had never repented and turned. But I did. Lord, show your people, your pre-believers out there who don't yet see it, they've got to turn. There's something in their life you told them to get rid of. They're not doing it because they enjoy it too much. They, well, not right now, God. I'm having too much fun. Lord God, show them they need to get rid of it now. The longer they keep it, the worse the consequences are going to end up being. Father, thank you for this picture in your word of what's going on here, it's going to cost a bloody, bloody massacre war 
to finally get this mess out of the people and get them back to holiness. Lord God, we understand that you, through your son Jesus Christ, he went through a bloody mess to fight that war for us so that all we have to do is hand it over. But Lord, we still have to repent. Lord, I ask you to protect me from the people that get angry at me for talking about repentance all the time. Lord, I get it from people close to me. Protect me from them. Lord, I'm just trying to do your work. I'm trying to say what your word says. But Lord, show your people the blessing and the peace and the benefit of turning. That it does not have to get as bad as this. We can bow the knee today. We can get the the stuff out of our lives today that you tell us to get rid of. So, Father, I pray for anybody who hears me on the radio who is considering, yeah, I guess I need to finally get rid of that. Lord, that they just do it. Just do it now. You've already conveyed to them it needs to happen. To the person listening to me, get it out of your life right now. Just do it. Please hear me. It almost grieves me that I could say this and people will not hear it. Don't cause yourself any more grief than you have to. Get it out and let God start restoring you back. Father, forgive us for not taking you up on it sooner. And thank you that you have made my life restored. I pray for those who have yet to find your peace. Restore them, Father, after their repentance. Bring them into your peace. And we thank you, in Jesus' name, that you have given us the standard in your word, in your Son. Jesus Christ, we thank you that we have that to abide by. And Lord, for anybody here who's not taking the Bible serious, not reading it, give them this inclination to suddenly start studying that Bible, to start reading it, to jump in those pages and just get in there, wear that Bible out to where they have to buy another one. Thank you, Lord God. You gave us this word for a reason. The end of John, Lord God, it says that if everything was recorded that Jesus had done, the world couldn't hold enough room for all the books that it would take to record all of it. So, Lord, you've given us this word that we can hold in our hands, and we can read that. We know it will go into eternity with us. Thank you that you gave it to us. Lord God, I ask you for more people in this country to read your word and to stop doing what they think is right according to their own eyes. Forgive us, Lord God, for where we have gone our own way. Thank you for turning us back to your way. We will follow you in your word and your standard. We will read. We will study. We will take the time to read your word and get to know who you say you are. We will learn right from wrong as you state that it is. And from that, we can bless others. Lord, this is our effort. This is our discipline we are going to take up for the benefit of people among us. And we thank you that you have given us that position of leadership to show them blessings so they can have what we have. We thank you, Lord God, for sending us out with the gospel. I sinned and I messed the whole thing up and you died on the cross for me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. I take you up on it. Forgive me of my sins and thank you for your free gift of eternal life. We ask it for ourselves and we ask you to show us how to show it to others in jesus name amen thank you for listening to set for life we hope you can join us next time unless jesus returns for us first set for life 
is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.